Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the tubular podcast where we wail on a dead horse, 1d6 gnarly damage at a time. Today, we're discussing Brave New World, which is a dystopian novel written in 1931 by English author Aldous Huxley and published in 1932. Set in London in the year AD 2540, or 632 AF, after Ford, in the book, the novel anticipates developments in reproductive technology, sleep learning, psychological manipulation, and classical conditioning that are combined to make a profound change in society. Huxley followed this book with a reassessment in a 1958 essay, Brave New World Revisited, and again with his final novel, Island, in 1962. Cowabunga! Let's get started on today's Kickin' Rad System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. I am your host, Jeff, joined as always by your other host, John. John, how you doing? I'm all right. Man, that beginning, uh, that, that intro joke, that went on. That went on for a bit. Uh, you know, people have come to trust us. This is episode 100 and something. It's, I think at this point, we've, <laughs> we've earned that. We've earned shitty jokes. Yeah. People, have tra- people will follow us to a bit if they need to. And you know, it's true. We are reviewing Brave New World. Yeah, it's not the book, though. It's, it's, a, the, it's a book. It's a book. Yeah. It's not the book. <laughs> well, it's a Brave New World. <laughs> it's certainly a Brave New World with such people in it. So, uh, you know, fine. We're not reviewing Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Which would be way more interesting than reviewing this. Uh, yeah, although, you know, there are certain aspects of this book that I find fascinating. I, I started excited because it was colorful and interesting, and <laughs> by the end I was sad and irritated. Like a, like a wee baby. You were excited because of these... Nice bright colors and shiny pages. Yeah, but by the end of the book, there were barely any pictures, and it wasn't saying my name directly anymore. Yeah. I was like Trump reading a press briefing. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, ultimately, it's disappointing for a variety of of fun reasons to get into. But, you know, chief among them, this is not actually Brave New World, the Aldous Huxley book, or even another book by him, like The Doors of Perception or something. Well, it's also not even an RPG based on the world of Brave New World. Which would have been rad. Which, I mean, if you were like, look, guys, my class is Alpha, and I get to be a dude who's in charge of things. You're like, neat. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. But instead, this is a... Standard '90s grim and gritty. I just read The Watchmen. Time to write my my RPG style superhero thing. Yeah, this uh, came out in 1999, mm-hmm. and you can tell that this was a mid to late '90s in production mm-hmm. because it's very comics of its time. Yes, and not only that. I mean, we've reviewed Aberrant. Uh, we've looked at some. Uh, RPG stuff that tries to do superheroes. I mean, we've looked at hero games from all eras at this point because we reviewed Fifth Edition Hero. Uh, we've reviewed uh, Heroes Unlimited. Uh, we even back before we knew how to turn mics on correctly reviewed Marvel's uh, superhero role playing game. Yeah. So we've covered games from the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and beyond. The hits of today. <laughs> Sticks, Mister Roboto. <laughs> the the thing is, you can almost always tell. When these were made, because if you're like, oh, this is an 80s superhero thing, it's like, we superheroes are fun, and they punch people, and they're badass and cool, and then you get to 90s, and it's... Think about what you've done. It's all just like, you know, if super people really existed, then 
you know, they would be assholes because people are assholes. They definitely get arrested. Yeah, you know what? There's it's always fa- it always comes down to fascism. Why is it every time someone wants to make edgy superheroes, it's like, yeah, superheroes exist in an edgy universe. Fascism. I feel like that one commercial for Mac computers really infected everyone's brains for about fifteen years. <laughs> you know the one where like the there's like the person on the screen and they're like, You will not have fun with PC computers. And then like a woman in like in a uniform throws the computer through the wall. Yeah, well, I mean that was just taken from Pink Floyd's The Wall, basically. I know. Uh, yeah, but I feel like that particular moment in history really screwed people up about how hero characters look, and they have to just always be rebels against fascist empires, and the fascist empire always has to be winning. Well, the problem I have is being a rebel against a fascist empire or whatever is an interesting enough take to run a game from. Sure, that's yeah, fine. That's fine. But when you're like, oh, superheroes are also mostly just fascists, though, and if you're a superhero, oh, you're not out there in your underwear, boy. Oh, you're fighting with your fists and guns, and it's bloody and shitty. Oh, you're out there, but you've taken the law into your hands. Who watches you? Uh, wait, there's got to be a better way to say that. Hold on. Maybe there's some sort of Latin phrase. Uh, it, lorem ipsum dolores est. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what? Something like that. Yeah, the... So... As you might have gathered Surmised. from our, our rambling, Brave New World is a superhero game where you're in a fascist America, and on one side you have, I mean, they basically just took Watchmen, and instead of Nixon, it's Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Kennedy's in charge, and he's got his superhero goon squad. And he's gone all evil, because that fateful day in Dallas, it was his wife and campaign manager who were killed, and not him. Yeah, by super people, and so now he's... We've got the superhero registration program going on, and boy, that is a thing that comics really loved to push. So there's a uh, sort of, it's a, this book's got a fairly broad definition of super people, because the people who killed Kennedy are dudes in some other guy's robot suits. Yeah, the, they're the not, dreadnoughts. Yeah, they're not like super people, they're just guys in robo suits that they didn't build. Well, this game has a very loose idea of, I'm a superhuman, because... You have things like, I'm a guy who shoots people. I mean, let's be clear. Out of the 12 or so character classes that are available in this game, maybe three of them have visibly recognizable superpowers. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the world of Brave New World, uh, the Punisher would be a superhuman. Yes. Uh, they would be what is known as a Delta. Mm-hmm. Because there are Deltas, which are your standard, like, sort of low-level X-Men, I-have-one-power superhumans. And then anyone who's like a Superman or a Wonder Woman or your heavy hitters are alphas. Yeah, now you may be finding yourself wondering what happened to gammas and betas. Well, gammas, of course, are trademarked by Marvel, and if they if you had been calling all the characters in this game betas instead, it would have caused problems. <laughs> yes. Well, you see, we've got our alphas, and then we've got our cucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's why it's deltas. Yeah. Uh, now, in the storyline of this game, which, why don't we start there, because it's it's such... The story is really the thing that drives us the most nuts about this. Um, in this universe, the first ever superhero made his appearance in World War I, uh, at which point he was a soldier on a battlefield who got killed, but then realized that he was, like, intangible if he wanted to be or something. Yeah, it was, uh, he still had, like, bullets or shrapnel or, or whatever stuck in him, so he turned intangible and it all fell out of him. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, he became the Grey Ghost. <laughs> 
wish I wish he became the. Is that right? Is that actual? Because yes. that's a Batman character. Oh, but, I know. But but because he's, he's just the Patriot or something. No, most of the characters in this game. The Patriot is a different uh, superhero. Okay. Here's the thing: most of the characters in this game, regardless of what era they came out with, get those one word titles. You know, it's all like, oh, there's Patriot, Liberty, uh, Rebel, America. That's like all their names. They're they're. They're all very boringly named, and it's hard to tell them apart because the vast majority of them are just square-jawed punchmen. Yeah. Um, well, you know, again, when you have a system where, like, being able to punch good is a superpower, and not even, like, super strength, just being good at scrapping. So, anyway, the Grey Ghost comes into existence, and he helps win World War One. Yeah, because he can, you know, intangibly walk into wherever, so... Any espionage or anything you need to do, he just immediately does it. Also, you need to reevaluate what your mental picture of him right now, because he's a black guy. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. I bet you thought it wouldn't be. Yeah. That makes you a racist. But it was. 90s. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, the, then in World War II, we get our first alpha, because just like in the World War II of like Marvel Comics... There's a whole bunch of, like, I'm Spy Puncher. I'm a superhero in that I drive a fancier plane than the rest of these guys. Yeah, back home there was, after, you know, the uh, appearance of our, our ghost friend, Yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, I am, this is where Patriot comes from. He's like, I'm Patriot, and I protect the streets of whatever town, USA. And uh, yeah. he, he was mostly just a guy in a fancy costume, and that's why people are dressed up like that. Well, he's a Captain America type, where it's yeah. like, what's your superpower? I punch jaws of Nazis. And he really is a Captain America type, because our first alpha is basically, what if Bucky turned into a... Superman. Superman. Yeah, so they, got, they both got captured and sent to some concentration camp, uh, where they were both put into a gas chamber, and then while their remains were being burned... Uh, Bucky, who in this game is called Sparky instead, uh, comes back to life as a nebulous superhero. Like, they don't really tell you what his powers are. He just has a lot of them, and they are very good. Yeah, he's just, what's his name, Supreme or something? Yeah, he turns into Supreme or Superior. I think it's Superior. Yeah, because Supreme is an actual comic book yes, character. Yes, he, he turns into Prime. Yeah. Whoops, whoops, hang on. No, nope. Wait, no. Oh, the 90s. He turns into Apollo, and oh, God damn it. Okay, he turns, he turns into the Sentry, and... He's Nighthawk, <laughs> and the next thing that happens... He's Night Thrasher. <laughs> It's a skateboard. <laughs> oh, I remember, John. It's Doug Lock. Oh, there we go. Yeah, he turns into Doug Lock. Definitely not a hero anyone would ever try to sell off to American people as a real character. No. Uh, half guy who speaks every language, half amorphous yellow robot. Uh, Doug Lock is our is our new hero in the book. Yeah. No, okay, so Superior is just sort of a Superman. Uh, he, he immediately kills the super villain that threw him in the gas chamber in the first place, Der Capitan Krieg. Yeah, I guess because there were only like two names available for Nazi superheroes. Yeah, or you villains. can be you can be Captain Krieg, or you can be like Blitzkrieg, and that's yeah. basically you have to have Krieg in your name if you're a Nazi supervillain. If, if there's two of you and you have similar powers, you have to be Sturmund Drang. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's all you're allowed to do. That's it. Yeah, there so. you go. Uh, okay, <laughs> so anyway, he immediately flies around, kills everyone in the concentration camp. That's a bad guy. Flies right to Berlin and kills Hitler. The end. The end. Yeah. And he, he is the first Superman. He, yeah, he is the first Alpha. And other Alphas do start appearing, but we never even see the name of one. Uh, I think we get two throughout the entire book, because there's mention of like an Alpha healer, and then an Alpha, I think, spoiler alert, shapeshifter. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, okay, this is, this is what's going to happen here. Superior changes the game across the world. Korea and Vietnam don't even really happen, because they just send him over there and he kills whoever's in charge, and that's the end of that. Uh, 
the uh, the and world. It, it also makes it so that the development of nuclear weapons is pushed back by like twenty years. Yeah, because who needs of, them? Yeah, because America's like, oh, we don't need a nuke. We have Superman. Yeah. But so, eventually, because Russia doesn't have a Superman, they develop a nuke, so America develops a nuke. They also, of course, have a weapons program that's dedicated to trying to make their own alphas and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, eventually, the assassination of, of uh, President Kennedy happens, slightly wrong, and his wife is killed, and so is the governor of Dallas, and he survives. He goes crazy and declares martial law in the world, or I, I think at first he just tightens no. up restrictions on superheroes. And it doesn't. It's not until after the Chicago disaster that he declares yeah. martial law in the Basically, world. Basically, what happens is... Uh, Kennedy comes out and he's like, all right, we need to really shore up what's going on with these. He starts the superhero registration program yeah. so that we can get the standard registration program that you've seen in like a shit ton of different comics and TV shows and whatnot. Uh, don't worry. Civil War didn't do this first. Oh, no. X-Men certainly did it before that. Yeah. Because we had the mutant registration program. Uh-huh. So basically all the superheroes have to register and join up with Delta. Uh, or Delta Prime, yes. Or they go underground and become the Delta Underground, otherwise the Defiance. The, the defiance. Uh, and the problem here is that the book sets it up so that you could play as either one. But they're like, hey, if you join the Defiance, good good news. If they ever catch you, you go to an inescapable prison forever, no matter what you were doing. And if you join up with Delta Prime, then you are a fascist, and you'll probably be sent to like kill super babies or something. Yeah. You're like, oh, good. These are my choices. Oh, what a fun set of choices. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Life isn't easy. I made you think with my role-playing game. Ugh. So uh, at a certain point, a the same villain who kills Kennedy, the evil dreadnought or whatever his name is, uh, sets up a whole doomsday scenario in Chicago where he's standing on top of a building and there's robots everywhere. and He's on a trigger for a bomb or something. Basically, he fights Superior. Uh, in Chicago, because he's got some doomsday device. Yeah. He sets the doomsday device off, mm -hmm. and like all of Chicago blinks out of existence and leaves a giant crater, but then also it makes all of the alphas on the world disappear, except for the ones in prison who currently have their powers suppressed. Yes. So every alpha in the world disappears. Also, all the deltas that were in Chicago, because everything in Chicago disappears. And Chicago rapidly fills up with the water from, what is that, Lake Michigan that's right next to it? Probably. I think so. So Lake Michigan just immediately fills this giant crater, uh, which is miles deep. And uh, the, the resulting tidal waves kill everyone in the Chicago land area. And it's just a huge disaster. Uh, Kennedy immediately... Oh, by the way, Kennedy's been president for 30 years at this point anyway. Oh, yeah. He essentially declared himself president for life yes and at this point he goes complete bug fuck and uh declares full martial law yeah uh which means that like i was saying even if you're caught just being a delta who is not registered you are thrown in prison forever yeah you and have a a seven day grace period between finding out you have superpowers and registering and if you take any longer then you're thrown in jail though I do wonder how they know if it's been seven days. Like, if they catch you somewhere and they don't have proof that you've been using it before, you're like, oh, this is the first time I found out I had powers. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I figured it out six days ago. Oops-a-daisies. <laughs> Give me that paper. I'll register tomorrow. <laughs> I, so, uh, <laughs> so d don't worry, though, because the book definitely spends a good two or three pages describing how inescapable the prison is. Yeah, well, it's... A super ridiculous mega, mega prison that's the gadgeteers of this world have made all sorts of ridiculous things, which 
Honestly, it doesn't really work when you use the gadgeteer rules from the book. None of the gadgeteer stuff in the book makes any sense when you read the rules for how gadgeteers work. Yeah, because all of it is like, oh, the bomb that was used in the Chicago event was a gadgeteer thing. And all of the suits that the like dreadnought guys use are gadgeteer things. And all of this stuff, they keep relying really heavily on gadgeteers making super science. And then you go back and you look at gadgeteers, and each one of them can maintain maybe three devices at a time. If they don't sleep. If they never sleep. And it's like, well, that one dude has a whole fleet of guys in power armor. Yeah. I guess it's because he's an alpha gadgeteer. I don't know, because the way... And even then, the like, if you maintain a gadget, you still have to work on it every 24 hours. Yeah. So even if you're like, oh yeah, we've got a full prison where we're using uh, like collars to turn people's powers off, you're like... Yeah, but every day someone has to come by every single collar and work on it. Here's the thing. This is something that John and I were talking about at lunch earlier today. This book is very guilty of the general crime of look but don't touch, where it presents a really awesome world, and then the tools it gives you to play in that world are severely deficient compared to the things that they're telling you. Well, yeah. I mean, right off the bat, you can't play as an alpha in this game. All of them are gone. Yes. So, you know, at least then they go, look, you're going to be a street-level hero, essentially, but we've put a setting where all of the people that would be your Supermans and whatnot have disappeared. So at least you don't have the the problem of, I'm playing in a superhero game, and I made, you know, Daredevil, and my friend made Superman, and we're supposed to fight crime together. Which is fine. I'm, that's not really the complaint I have. The complaint I have is, the very first character we're introduced in this book is a Delta who can go intangible. Yeah. Can players go intangible? They cannot. No. We also get... Uh, mention of a shapeshifter which no one can be yeah and there's at least two more things in this where it's like oh i'm a person with the power to do whatever stretch body stretching and invisibility both come up and you can't do either of those things either yeah there's there's a lot of generic superpower stuff that they were like oh yeah this is your standard you know mr fantastics or whatever and you you can't do that and that brings me to the other problem with the book is this book may as well be a free-to-play MMO because it gives you a scant taste of what you can play as, mm-hmm. and then the entire book is dedicated to, hey, if you wanted more powers or actual ways to play in this game, did you know we have other books? I'm like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. I think there, this book had a record number of times for recommending other books, including I counted five recommendations for the DM Shield. Oh, yeah. There's the- a lot of, like, by our DM screen... There's, you can represent your characters with minis. If you go to our website, we have a fine selection of miniatures. I'm like, please that stuff, stop. That stuff generally doesn't bother me especially much, but the DM screen literally has most of the rules for how XP works. Like, this book's XP section is one paragraph that says, like, hey, uh, you can spend three times the current value of a statistic to raise the statistic. You can spend ten points to buy a quirk. And uh, any other rules are going to be found on our DM screen, which is v- available here at Pinnacle Press. Well, yeah. The the main problem with all of the classes you can be, because you're like, all right, I want to be a Cyclops or whatever. I'm going to play as a Blaster. Sure. Okay, well, Blasters, their whole deal is you get your base powers, mm-hmm. uh, and then the game relies on tricks. Tricks, So it's like, yeah. oh, if I uh, roll really well, I can add a trick onto whatever I do. The problem is every superhero archetype has two tricks, a starting character starts with three, which means every starting character will almost assuredly have the two tricks you can use and one generic trick, and that's it until you buy our 
you know, Blaster book by itself. Yeah, yeah. For only $1.99, you can download the Blaster supplement. Or you can play for 50,000 hours and unlock it. Yeah. Oh, wait, except that part doesn't happen. I know. It's even worse than a free-to-play MMO because there is no... You can't hey, just grind. you can't grind this out. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's get into the... the uh, well, there's a few more things to talk about here in this setting. What do you do? Uh, you can play as either a Delta or a Defiant. If you're a Delta, you go to a Delta school where you learn to be a horrible fascist. Uh, you live in barracks. You spend all your time uh, flying around doing missions for them. Uh, you, your family is in danger because you definitely have your, your, uh, life out in public. There's this whole thing with the, they do the whole thing with the registration act with like, well, why does Spider-Man wear that mask? Oh, it's because people would kill his family. Yeah. And this if Green Goblin knew who he was, which he does, he would kill the people he loves, which the, he does. Which, you know, that, that's fine. But this is, the government's eventually going to have to, th- this has been in place for 30 years at this point in the book. You'd think that like all these deltas would be like, "Hey, all of our families keep getting killed. Could we get like some kind of protection system for them or something?" I mean, uh, for most of it, they were like, "Oh yeah, you you don't have to have a public persona. You can wear a mask while you do your Delta Prime shit, but you do have to if, be registered. But if anyone like hacks into the registry because some like gadgeteer makes a thing that hacks into whatever, or you know, a non-player character that can go intangible goes intangible and finds a thing, <laughs> yeah, then if anyone finds out." then great, you die. But the problem is, I was like, yeah, but most of the things you're talking about, someone could just do. Like, oh, what if someone gets a tracker on me when I'm a defiant, and then they find out where I live and then kill everyone? I just feel like like superheroes would be the first people to unionize. Like, I know it's it's martial law now, and it's too late, but it's just like, hey, that's why the, that's why people don't usually kill policemen's families is because their uh, policemen's union is pretty friggin' strong, and they're and everyone's scared of super of police. And I feel like superheroes would be the same thing. You'd be like, oh, I can go after this guy's family. Oh, right, but I know like he knows eighty other superheroes. Oh yeah, the second like a Delta Prime person has like, oh yeah, this supervillain that I fought and they got away, killed my wife. You know that a squad of fucking Delta Prime superheroes is going to show up at that dude's house. And not and arrest him. him. They're just going to murder him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But- well, the book goes on because the Delta Primers, and this is an, a too edgy for you superhero game, mm-hmm. is like, oh, yeah, they're supposed to take people into jail. But, you know, accidents happen. You're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. No, no. Thanks. Thank you. So there are two other options. You can go Defiant and be a street-level superhero, like your Static Shocks or your Night Thrashers. Uh where you wear a ma- mask and just hope you never get caught. Because, again, one offense and you're gone forever. Uh, or you can work for corporations. Yeah, it is very strange that that exists. Yeah. Because the option of, oh, I go work for what is essentially this game's version of Heroes for Hire. Yeah. And they'll use you to do superhero stuff. I'm like, how does a fascist government that wants to control all superheroes allow this to exist yeah that doesn't make any sense to me i mean they still have to register like if you if you join up with a corporation you have to register and you have to go report to the government if they want you to yeah occasionally the government can just be like hey uh we need you for free to do a thing but apparently the, the corporations are strong enough that even when that happens it's usually for cushy duty and it only lasts like a day or two so they were like yeah if you join a corporation you get all the benefits of being a defiant for the most part very few of the penalties of being a, gov- a government agent, plus you're crazy rich. Yep. So it's like, why is that even an option? That's It really throws th- uh, things for a loop. Yeah, because the whole story should be, you are a defiant fighting against a fascist government. Yeah. Okay, it's not exactly an original concept, but it should be fun to, you know, fight the man. That's always a fun time, fighting the man. Yeah. But they give you the option of 
being the man or just being rich and not caring. Yeah. So, okay. Why don't we actually get into, well, one more thing about the story because I Oh forgot. my God. <laughs> no, no, no. This one's good and you're going to like it. I just want to talk about the first 40 pages or so of layout, one page at a time, in great detail, John, if good. I may. Thanks. No, Thank you. What I really want to talk about is how the first half of this book is a website. Yeah, they yeah, have... now you're thinking I was right. Well, no, I'm not. But <laughs> they have a full color, glossy, thick, like magazine style beginning to this, mm-hmm. uh, and it's all done to look like you are looking at a website. You're looking at like Netscape Navigator 4.0. Uh, it looks. It's called like Net Sailor. Yeah, they actually because they went pretty far into it. And they put all like all the way around the border is. You know, looking at a, a, a open Windows 98 screen. And it's got, like, little tabs and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you're you're Because the whole first 40 pages or so of the book, you're a new Delta trying to discover the int- information about themselves by going to the page deltatimes.com. Can I... I would like to say deltatimes.com is probably the stupidest gimmick in this for two reasons. First reason is... When it's the beginning glossy thing and it's you're supposed to be reading from this website, that's fine. It has a stupid bullshit, like, holier-than-thou narrator that's kind of a dickbag. Mm-hmm. That narration then travels over to the actual book itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, god damn it. It's fine if you want to do a sort of, hey, new meat, you're in the grinder now, when you're doing it for, like, this is an actual website in-world but when you present me information, please don't do that. Yeah. And the book, I mean, the website starts, it's written like a blog post instead of like a website. Because there's a good, it opens with a good half-page introduction to this guy. And he's like, yeah, my name's Truth, as in truth, justice, and the American way. Not like there's much of that American way anymore. Not with old Kennedy in the office. Oh, he sure shut that down. He shut it down like we shut down the Bay of I was like, all right, dude, I get it. We understand. Anyway, his power is the ability to, to immediately discern whether or not he's being lied to. Once uh, again, not a thing you can do. Uh, not a power anyone can have. Uh, and then he starts it by welcoming people to the site. And he's like, welcome to the site. If you're here, then you're one of three things. Either one, you're a new Delta, in which case, read on. Number two, you're the bad guy, in which case, hi, take a look around. You won't find any useful information here, you narc. Or three, you're a powerful hacker who managed to hack their way here. Well, congratulations to you. And I'm like, I'm on the front page of DeltaTimes.com. You didn't hack this. That is my number two complaint about (laughs) DeltaTimes.com is they're like, oh, we're a super secret website that no one can get to. I'm like... You you're are a, literally deltatimes.com. You're a dot com. You're you're at the top of the web heap. If someone <laughs> typed Delta Times into the version of Google that exists in Brave New World, it would immediately show your website. Google keeps recommending deltatimes.com to me when I'm trying to Google information about Del Taco. <laughs> I was trying to find out when my plane left and it <laughs> kept suggesting I go to your website. <laughs> I was trying to join the Delta Phi fraternity, and I accidentally found this. I guess I must be a powerful hacker. I guess. I guess I'm a super powerful hacker. <laughs> so so that's dumb. Yeah. The, the conceit kind of falls apart, because it's still, it's written like the introduction to a role-playing game. It makes no sense as a website. Uh, but f- forever, it's this deltatimes.com.io slash secret. Uh, and it's just this dude named Truth walking you through the storyline. All right, now I'm done talking about the background. We can talk about the characters. Great. How do you make a character in this game? Uh, it's not very difficult. It's uh, point by system. You only have four stats. Yes. Uh, so you've got your smarts, speed, spirit, 
and strength. Lots mm-hmm. of S. Great for doing podcasting. Yeah, can't wait to get some of them them uh, nice sibilances uh, in there. Yeah. So everything is a point by the gen- general human has a 2d6. Because the points you put into your stats are just how many d6s you roll for that. You have enough points to start with 3d6 and everything, and it has a little blurb about how, hey, come on, you're a superhero. Yeah, that you're, means you're, you're little, better than normal. You're a little bit better than normal, and you can drop and raise them one for one with each other. Yeah, uh, I think there was a rule that only one five d six, so you can't have two one d sixes and two five d sixes. Yes, but you've got your points to put in there. You'll probably end up with, you know, all either straight threes or maybe a four or a five. Yeah, but it's uh, unlikely. You're more likely to just do you know one three and one two or one four and one two. Yeah, but you can do that. That's fine. Uh. The way that the system works is you take those D6s in your stats. So if I've got a strength of 3D6, mm-hmm. and I want to do a strength-based roll. And it's just a strength-based roll. We're not including skills or anything. Yeah. And I'm going to set the difficulty. And I will say, John, this is a particularly hard thing to lift. Like, I don't know, a refrigerator full of Cel- uh, Mama Celeste pizzas. <laughs> Uh, and you were attempting to steal it from the local refrigerator company. Why Why does the refrigerator company stock their fridge full of Mama's Less Pizzas unless they want me to steal it? More importantly... This is, this is like that Gotham Museum problem all over again. It sure is. They know hey, you're in town. They're like, oh, here's our Gotham Museum thing of the great cats of history. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Gotham Museum. Oh, a bunch of statues of Janice, the two-faced god? Hmm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why Why is the refrigerator company just trying to get me to steal things from them? Oh, for the publicity. Oh, obviously. Also, this is a very heavily insured pizza or, uh, pizza fridge. <laughs> of course. Yeah, acts of supervillains. Uh, so I'm going to set that difficulty at eight. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I've got a strength of 3d6, mm-hmm. so I'm going to roll those three. The way the system works is you get the highest singular die. So if I roll, you know, a three, a four, and a five, I rolled a five. Yeah, and that means you failed because that, st- that difficulty was eight. Now and you now might be thinking, thinking, that's impossible. However, this has exploding sixes. Mm-hmm. And so if I roll a six, I get to roll that die again and add it on to the six. If that's a six, I get to do that and if, forever. If two of your dice are sixes, you get to roll both of them checking for extra sixes. You still only take the highest single die, though. Yes. So if I get two sixes roll and one gets a four and one gets a five, I have an 11. Yes. So uh, that means if John were to roll a one, a two, and a six, he'd roll that, that six again. If he rolled a one, he'd still fail. Otherwise, he would indeed succeed at lifting up the fridge full of Mama Celeste pizzas and sneaking away with it into the night. Now, the, the system has the low end. This is a fairly easy task is a five. Yes. Which means even on 3D6, which is above standard, and I'm rolling to do something, I'm still going to fail? You will like fail a fairly often. a amount of times on easy things. Now, that's going to be mitigated by the fact that the skill system just adds flat numbers in most oh, situations. Oh, it just adds dice. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. It just adds dice. There are ways to get flat number bonus- bonuses as well. But it's way harder to get a bonus to the number rolled than the number of dice. There yeah. are a ton of ways to get extra dice. Mm-hmm. Getting a, like, oh, I roll this dice and then take whatever my result is and add three is much more likely to also come with either a drawback or you had to pay through the nose for it. I have been boggling at the mind for, like, weeks now at the... Di- well, I mean, I read the book over the course of the past week, so that's not true. Yeah. But uh, 
there's one class, and I, we'll get into the classes in a minute, where they're powered by an item they have to carry around with them. If they lose the item, they can make another one. The role to do so is a difficulty 30 spirit role. So, just to, just to give you a concept of what that's going to take, even though that class might have a flat bonus of as much as like plus 3 or plus 4 to its spirit, that means you have to roll your spirit, so probably 3 or 4 dice. Well, even if you're like, oh, I'm the bargainer class, which is what this is from, uh-huh. I'm going to give myself a 5 spirit because I know it's the only thing that matters. So, we'll me. give you the 5 plus the plus 3 you get, the flat plus 3 you get for being a bargainer to your spirit. You're rolling 5d6 plus 3. You roll your 5d6. Are any of them 6s? They are. Great. Okay, roll another one. So far, you've got a total of a nine. Yeah. Okay, did I get another six? Great. I'm all the way up to a 15. Roll another six. You're getting you're getting close now. You have to roll four more sixes before you succeed at this roll. Yeah. Sequentially. A, a lot of the stuff in this book where they're like, oh, you need to do a thing, and it's it's tough. You'll have to roll like a 24. I go, the fuck are you talking about? It's not tough. It's impossible. Yeah. Once you get past like 10... You're essentially asking for highly improbable rolls to happen. The one thing I could think of was that perhaps there was a chance where it was like uh, that your flat bonus got reapplied at every tier of sixes that you roll up. But Th- no. That's not the case. Uh, that's my first thought. I was like, this, bru- this bruiser has 5d6 plus 5 strength. He rolls a 5d6. He gets a 6 in there. He rolls again. He adds that plus 5 again because he's at a second tier of die rolling now, and that would continue happening. That would potentially make some of those high levels less impossible. Yeah. I mean, if at that point you were like, all right, well, I've got what comes down to 6 plus 10 plus a d6 if I manage to roll at least one 6, then you can go, oh, yeah, my superhero guy whose whole thing is being strong can now ostensibly lift something ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so but it's, most of the time, no. Yeah. Now, the next thing you need to think about after you deal with the, uh, the four statistics is the skills. Skills are going to be based on your how many points you put into that stat to begin with. Yes, you get a number of skill points for because there are four types of skills that are divided up by the, the stats. So there's strength skills and fast skills and so on. Uh, you get a number of points in each one of those categories equal to your original number of dice in that statistic times three. Yeah, so if I give myself a three in something, I'll get nine. If I go up to the five in something, I'll get 15. Mm-hmm. So the better you are naturally in a stat the more likely you are to have skills associated with it as well yeah now you're going to take those statistic or those skill points and invest them in a wide variety of skills which are actually if i'm giving the book credit for anything there's a lot of useful skills kind of mixed up among the categories like things like survival and stuff might be found under fast or spirit instead of just obviously intelligence like they normally would be in any other game and even strength has a a surprising amount of skills behind it yeah there's I mean, the last game we did where I was bitching that, you know, oh, combat has four skills and, you know, uh, smarts has 27 skills, Mm -hmm. where this is fairly evenly distributed. Yeah, yeah. So Uh, it's... and, And it is something where a lot of the fighting skills will be distributed between different stats, so you don't have to be all in on either speed or strength to get that. But ultimately, you really do need to invest all in on speed all the time because this game has uh, action purchasing ability where you get you get multiple actions and you can force people to give up their own actions to defend against you if you go before them. So it very much is a case of speed greater than all. Yeah. The, uh, the other weird thing in skills, specifically something I wanted to bring up was, you know, it has the skill section and, you know, it has a few things like, oh, here are modifiers to whatever and... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the weird one for me is persuasion, which is the only skill that gives you a table of success for what happens. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, because, oh, that is the other thing. The system in rolling is for every five points you roll above the difficulty, you get an extra success. Yeah. So if my difficulty is five and I roll ten, I now have an extra success above whatever I did. And the game cleverly uses those to let you purchase extra tricks it's, or things that happen. Yeah, it's mostly now I can apply my tricks to stuff. So I have, yeah. if I have the knockback trick and I attack someone and get five over whatever I needed to hit them, now I can apply knockback. And since okay. hitting people isn't generally... The only modification is their defense stat gets added to your role as a difficulty. That You'll hit pretty often, so those tricks will come up fairly regularly. But yeah, the, the persuasion one is like, here are the result rolls, and nothing else in the book has it. No, nothing but, even close. But they decided to be like, oh, you get a disaster, and whoops, now you can't persuade this person anymore. Or, oh, you, you got two successes, and now you're plus four to anything you want to do to persuade them later. Like, okay, why why only this skill? Also, they separated what skills are used to defend against it, depending on what you're doing. Because it divided into like eight different sub-skills, which you get, you basically pick one of. So there's things like, oh, seduction, oratory, argument, persuasion, intimidation. Oh, yeah. They're all buried in there. You have, uh, then the defense ones are either scrutinize or bravery. Yeah. So if I'm trying to interrogate or intimidate someone... I'll have to roll bravery to resist it, but yeah. if someone's trying to seduce or bluff me, I have to scrutinize. Yeah. Now, since we said seduction and seduce there, I'll just clarify that this book's pretty clean about it. It just says, get the target to submit to your sexual wiles. There you go. It's not the worst one I've ever seen. The problem for me in the persuasion skill, as long as we're talking about it specifically, is that it is also the only skill in the game that says, like, you can't just roll this skill. You have to roleplay out the act of whatever it is you are doing to persuade the person. If you don't, then this skill automatically fails. Fuck you, game. Fuck you. Fuck you, game. Don't do that. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's never not stupid. If your character has a high charisma, then they might have a higher charisma than you do as a player, which means you don't need to be as smart or as charismatic as your character. That's why the numbers are there. Yeah. There's no way where it's like, oh, and remember, before your character picks up a car, you've got to go bench press before you can do it. You're like, no. The reason there are abstract numbers is so that you don't have to do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to use your backflip skill? Well, first you're going to need to perform a backflip, and then we'll let your character do it if you also roll well. Because that's the real problem with this is it, it'd be fine if the mechanic for persuading people in the game was pure role play. If it was like, if you want to persuade someone in this game, talk to them until they're persuaded. Yeah, because there's the problem of the people who run games and want that to happen. I'm like, oh, yeah, I go talk to this guy. I present a very reasoned argument. Here's all the reasons he would want to help me. This is what we're going to do for him. We go back and forth with some excellent role play between the two of us as I bring him around to my understanding of the point. And he's like, huh, I see what you're saying. And then you tell me to get the dice out. I accidentally fuck up and roll a one. And you're like, oh, for no good reason, he decides you're a dickhole and says, get out of my town. You say for no good reason, but you know full well what the actual reason is going to be. Oh, it's because I shit myself. Yeah, it's because you pooped. <laughs> That's the Because it's that kind of thing. Where it's like, oh, okay, well, you made an amazing roll, but you rolled a one, so you farted so hard that poop came out. Yeah, and critical failures do exist in this game, mm -hmm. and it is, if you roll 
more than 50% of your dice as ones. Yeah. So if I have five dice, I have to roll three or more ones. Mm -hmm. And even then, it doesn't matter if I also roll a six and I could technically still keep going. Oh, no, I rolled three ones. I auto fail. Yes. So uh, don't don't do that. Stop doing that in games. Like just <laughs> the, the whole point of role playing is to play a character that is not anything like yourself. If you're not especially good at arguing with people, but you wanted to play a character who was, it would be perfectly fine for you to do so without being forced into role playing the argument. Yeah, it's fine if, you know, someone goes, look, I want to convince him that what we're doing is correct because we're doing this. Like, don't make me also sit down and have a conversation that I then also have to roll yeah. for. Like, oh, well, why? Why would the situation be acceptable for you guys? I don't know. My character knows. <laughs> My character will let him know. He lives in this dumb Kennedy planet, so he'll be the one with the information. Now, uh, after you get your skills and your stats and whatnot, it's time for quirks. Quirks. Would you believe that quirks are divided into positive attributes and negative deficiencies? They're basically merits and flaws. Yep. The uh, quirk system... In this is that special brand of merits and flaws where half of the merits are also flaws and half of the flaws are also merits. I mean, granted, most of them are pointless. I'd say that this game has, you know, to put it mildly, far the fuck too many quirks. There's like it, there's like 20 pages in the middle of this book dedicated to all these quirks, and they're all things like aggressive, alcoholic, dyslexic, and so on. And the vast majority of them only affect your persuasion role, and only with a plus or minus two. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I take the I'm ugly quirk, then it's just, hey, man, you're minus four on your persuasion rolls, but plus four if you're trying to intimidate or interrogate. I'm like, okay, so, so I gained three points, and all I did was swap out numbers for what I'm good at in persuasion. The problem is that the, mo the majority of them are also nebulous. It it'll be things like... You know, uh, like, oh, weak-willed, you get a minus two to, to bravery rolls, unless it'd be worthwhile for it to be a plus two to bravery rolls in situations where it would actually be smart to run away. And it's like, that's not helpful. That's not, because there's no clear delineation. Well, yeah, it just means you're going to argue. It's the same thing of, oh, I got the fearless one, and I paid points to be fearless. I get a bonus to my bravery, but I don't run away, even if I should. Yeah. Uh, okay, stop. If I'm paying points for something... Let it just be good. Yeah, drunk is one of the words. If you're a drunk, you're like, you have a minus two to persuasion rolls. Unless you're hanging around with the kind of people that like a drunk, then you get a plus two. It's like, quit it. Quit that. Because it's not like it's a zero-point system. If it's like, just write down drunk on your sheet, and you'll get a plus two to some people's persuasions and a minus two to other people's persuasions. It also gives you three XP to spend. Yeah, now you can only get negative ten in quirks to buy stuff up. Mm -hmm. The thing with that is... There are basically two minus fives you could just pick as a player immediately. Yeah, it's the like code of honor. Yeah, it's code of honor and uh, being a defiant. Yes. So you go, hey guys, uh, I'm what this game wants me to be, which is a superhero that isn't part of the Delta Prime. And doesn't kill. Yeah, there we go. Now I've made a superhero. There's minus ten immediately. I don't need to worry about if I've got a crippled hand or I'm drunk or. I mean, the the one problem, of course, is that you can only spend those those positive or those negative quirk points you just earned on positive quirks, but and and that just means you're buying yourself more weird situational weaknesses. There is actually you can spend them on skills if uh, you want to. Okay, fair enough. But. Eh. But, I mean, they're all just, it's just the, the same things you've seen in a million other games. You want to be ambidextrous? Here you are. You know what ambidextrous is in this game, by the way? Two attacks. Yep. 
It's just to it's just action economy. Buy this one automatically with some of your free negative ten points from having a code of honor. Well, like anyone could do it, but then you'd be at like minus five or whatever to your roll, and it's already impossible to do anything with the way this rolling yeah. system but works. But there's there's no actual rules. It just says under ambidexterity, anyone could do this, but there'd be some penalty associated with it. Guess what's not in the back of the book? That penalty. Oh no, there is. Oh good, I'm, I must have just missed it. It's We're, it's buried in a lot of combat. Yeah, rules. that's fair. Because this book also does the thing in the combat rules where it's like. Hey, you want to shoot people? It's easy. Just follow this simple guideline. 20 pages later, when using an auto-fire to spray a burst template onto a, onto a group of six or more people... Yeah. The, the rules in this really should be very easy, because the whole, take the single highest die result you get, and that's it. If you got uh, every multiple of five gives you an extra success that you can do something with, great. That's very simple for baseline rules, but once it gets to the point where you get into combat and stuff like that, they're like, all right, now let's break it down into weird, like, corner cases. Also, did you know that we're a system with hit locations? We are. So combat in this game is mostly a slug thing, because you get a, a, a defense value, which you add to the opponent's difficulty to hit you. So, for example, if they want to punch you and you have a, a defense value of, like, three, then normally they have to roll against an easy result to punch you. So they have to roll a five or higher on any of their dice. Uh, but they, they now have to roll an 8 or higher because you have a defense value of 3. So it's mostly just to stand there and slug at each other. Initiative in this system is based off fast rolls, and wouldn't you know it, you also get a number of extra actions equivalent to the bonus of on your uh, fast roll. And Keep calling it fast. It's speed. Speed, sorry. And and just, just to really drive this home, to defend, defend in this game, you have to go, or you have to give up your action. Yeah. Uh, you don't get another action that turn. It doesn't just spend one of your banked an- actions or something. You can't act that turn if you want to defend yourself. So the winner of every fight in this game is the fastest person because they'll just punch you. You'll d- you'll use your defend action to not get punched because punching in this game is very dangerous. Uh, and then the next turn, they'll just do it again. And eventually, they'll have run you out of actions. And when you know it, they're faster than you. They still have some more, so they'll keep punching you. Eh. Honestly, you can take a hit fairly easily in this. It's still a downward spiral. Well, you can go ahead and say, I went high into strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll let the speed guy go first. He punches me for very little because he went all in on speed. Mm-hmm. I will take it, and then I will punch him in the face because he doesn't have the ability to now defend himself. Ah, okay, fair enough. Uh, now, now uh, I don't even re- remember what I want to talk well, about the, next. The way defense works in this is... Uh, oh, the armor system, is sure. a division problem because you'll do massive amounts of damage... But then everything is divided by your strength or armor you have. It's both. You, you, well, yeah. It's like if I've got an armor of 10 slash 3, then the armor takes 10 off of the top of the damage. Mm-hmm. And then I divide it by my strength. Mm-hmm. And then I take that in number of wounds. Round and the, down. And the thing after the slash is how many wounds your armor can take. But you will take any... Uh, it goes back and forth. So, like, armor takes a wound. I take a wound. Armor takes a wound. I take a wound. Yeah, it's very confusing uh, at first. I mean, it's not that complicated in practice. What really makes it complicated in practice is that it also uses a randomized hit location chart, and then every hit location has wounds, and you have rules for what happens if you're wounded to an arm, or, or for example, if you lose uh, function in an arm or a leg. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know, definitely different things as far as the, uh, I've got armor, but it only covers these four hit locations out of six, and then... If I'm uh, if I'm standing behind cover, then 
I just, when they roll randomly, if whatever I'm behind is what they rolled, then it hits the cover instead of me. Except most cover just acts as armor instead of you don't hit me. That's correct. Also, explosive force deals damage to all of your hit locations at once. So you have to check the damage value and do the division and everything for each one of your six uh, damage locations. Yep. At, at the same time, when you're being hit by an explosion of some kind. Yeah, the, the reason you want, you wouldn't find the ambidexterity rule is it's a small paragraph in paragraphs and paragraphs of... So if you're on fire, then these hit locations will take this set amount of damage during this period of time. There are a couple sections in books, and God knows I've read a fuck ton of books. There are a couple sections in books that I cannot, I, they, I just glaze over them, and, I, and I'm sorry. And I apologize in advance. The big one is usually uh, automatic weapon fire rules. Oh, yeah. As soon as it gets into the, this is how you shoot one person. Okay, now if you've got an automatic fire or you've got semi-automatic fire. Yeah, burst system. This is a burst in a cone. This is a burst in a line. This is going to hit 35% of the people in the room, so you're going to want to roll 35% for each one of them individually. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care because no one's playing Machine Gun Man. No, and even though one of the classes you can be is I'm dude with a gun, they're still going to be like, oh, that's terrible. Almost... It, it usually boils down to a game that has an automatic or burst fire system. It is either obviously terrible and you just focus down one person at a time, mm -hmm. or it's supremely busted because it's the, I get action advantage because it's the exact same as shooting one person, except I get to shoot five at once. Yes. So you, you read that section real quick, find out which one it is, and then decide whether or not you use that rule. That's all there is to it. And I, I've just never been a fan of that section. So if maybe if the ambidexterity was near there, it just sort of got sucked into my my, uh, <laughs> my usual, uh, nope, pass. Normally what I'll do with these books is I'll just check to see how many pages between when it starts talking about weapon fire rules and when it's over. <laughs> I'll just be like, three pages? Fuck you. <laughs> what, uh. what, what, could, what possibly was there? So uh, we haven't gotten into the classes. That's because they're one of the last things in the book? Yeah, you, you get way back. Now, the book does have an archetype thing where you could just be a pre-made character. Yeah, uh, which you might as well be, because let's face it, there's not much choice to make here. The archetypes are embarrassingly stupid, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, given it, that the first one that it comes with is the bargainer, mm -hmm. the reason it's called a bargainer is you're... A wizard, but your whole thing is making deals with devils, so you are bargaining with demons. Uh huh. Except that's not what you do. Hey, uh, I got this. Uh, I got this. This uh, Sony TV here. I'm just. <laughs> what, what are you gonna give me for this? Huh? Yeah, I got a devil, and he's trying to get me a TV at the back of his huh? demon truck. Huh? What do you? What do you get? What, come on, man. I need. To, I need a bumper. I'm gonna go ape shit. <laughs> come on. Let's let's do this. Let's work work with me here. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. <laughs> Same as in town. <laughs> that's what it is. You have to buy TVs from devils in the out of the back of their cars. The the bargainer, instead of being that, is you have totems. Mm -hmm. The totality of your power set is you can use totems. That's your only power. What can you use totems for? To replicate the powers of other classes. That's one thing. Yeah, there's only two in this book. Uh-huh. And it is, I can use a totem to replicate a specific person's power set. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that guy. But I'm you have to have touch him powers. with a totem. Yeah, I'm going to walk up, donk him on the face with this totem, and I'm like... A weird roundabout magical rogue. Yeah. And or, also, to do that, they have a very specific defense chance to get away from it. Yeah. And you also have to roll to see if you succeed when you hit them with it. So it's one of those, like, oh, guess what? Your class is gated behind a whole bunch of die rolls to see if you can do fuck all. Or the other one you can do is just a totem that mimics 
a different class. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I've got a totem, and it just gives me blaster generically powers. Yes. The problem, again, with this is because there's only, like, two tricks that exist for every single class, uh, if I copy a blaster or I mimic a blaster... They are the exact same goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The only difference, I think, if you copy a blaster's power set is you don't copy his trick set. So what you basically are is a person who has one totem at the start of the game that gives them the special ability to be a worse blaster than the blaster on the team. Yeah, because you'll have your you'll have the bargainer tricks. You're basically like, I have blaster powers, but with bargainer tricks. And the bargainer tricks are tricks that are actually related to bargaining. They're well, not- you have one that's just jinx. Yeah, that's, you can screw yeah. someone's rollover. Yeah, that's for each extra success. I think you get to remove the or increase the difficulty of someone else's roll. Yeah, yeah, which is not a good trade over trade off. No, <laughs> it's it's uh, it really it's, requires you to be like, oh, I did real well, and now I'm going to somewhat screw over someone next turn. But maybe. Eh, I don't get a material benefit now, Yeah, but if their role was garbage, then it didn't matter. It was just also garbage. Now, John, if we could push forward in the archetypes real quick, because I know you hate reading these things, but I just want, because you've got the book in hand at the moment, I want you to read one for me. Okay. Can you please just give me the quote, kind of the, the pithy quote from the bouncer? Sure. And oh, we'll by talk- the way, the pithy quote from the bargainer is, voila. That's it. Yeah. Now, between the bargainer and the and the bla- the bouncer is the blaster. They're your generic cyclops. They have the ability to shoot lasers, whatever. But the bouncer has a pithy quote, which I just want to hear John read. You just want the quote? Mm-hmm. Try to keep up, old man. No, I'm sorry. We need the whole thing. There's more down there. Oh, you want me to read the whole personality? That's what it's him. called. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not looking okay. at the book. Hey, look out. Get out of my way, old man. Sure, you're only 30, but compared to me, you're so far over the hill, I'd need the Hubble to see you. Time to make way for the new generation. I may not have been a Delta for long, but I've already done more for the Defiance than most people twice my age. Do I hate being a Delta? Are you on crack? It's a flat-out blast. I think that'll probably be good. I really just wanted that, that I'm, you're so far over the hill, I need the Hubble to see you. One more thing about the bouncer for me, John. Could you tell me if he has a haircut or not? Uh, well, he certainly has a mask on the top of his head. Is that what that's supposed to be? Yeah. I genuinely thought that he had like either Vanilla Ice's updo or a uh, Burger King crown. No, if you look from a distance, it looks like he's got a weird... Like kid and play esque hair that leans to the side, but it's just a mask that is sitting on top of his oh, head. Okay, now I feel better. Well, just to give you an idea of what the fuck a bouncer even is, beyond just an annoying young person, uh, is they, it's speedball. They're speedball. They have the power of bouncing, and that's and, and before you start thinking, oh, that's interesting. Like it would be if you were bouncing boy from the Legion of Superheroes. No, it just gives you the ability to jump from one building to another. You're basically parkour man. It's uh, it's a lot of I can like bounce off of a guy and jump away from him it you really are i don't know why they made an entire class in this game just speedball except speedball's way cooler because he actually has like cool visual effects and stuff this is i mean based on the picture this is just some kid well that's just the personality type they gave him it's It's a dick hole by the way the one next to him there the blaster her personality type is basically super hooker yeah like she she, uh her costume is literally a mini dress She's got a tiny little mini dress and then is wearing uh, the worst face mask. Yeah, just a just a big old eyes wide shut mask. And then her quote is everything is negotiable. Yeah. And that's it. That's all we that's all you need to know about her. Well, the I mean, I would actually like to talk about 
the things blaster. that are weird about them rather than just what they look like. Oh, fine. Please, by all means, please discuss the blaster. I don't know why we're the, so acrimonious today. I, I'll take credit. It's on me. It is you. It's my fault. Yeah. Uh, you the, shit. The weirdest thing about the blaster to me is the baseline power set outside of I can shoot beams, mm-hmm. which is mostly just I have a gun that doesn't run out of bullets as a power. Yeah, which is great when you compare it to the class that is a gun that can run out of bullets as a power. Yeah. But the other thing is you baseline get armor as a blaster, and that's not an archetype you generally like associate with your standard shoot beams guys. Well, it's, is that they're tougher? Yeah, no, they are tougher, and their armor is that armor that's it's just ten, it's like five slash, which just means reduce five off the top of any damage you would take. Yeah, because normally I had said before you have ten slash three, and the three is how many wounds it can take. Once it takes those wounds, you don't get the armor anymore. Yeah, it just it just breaks. If you have a, a slash armor with nothing behind the slash, then you just have a permanent damage reduction, but you always suffer all the wounds. Yeah. Um, and then the bouncer also has armor, I believe. Uh, now, the bouncer is... Uh, they're I'm, just fast. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop saying things and declare and it. And strong. I clearly have forgotten the entire book, even though I finished reading it yesterday. Yes. Okay. The Keep- bouncer's whole thing is they're fast and strong, but not as fast as the fast character and not as strong as the strong character. <laughs> that is correct, yes. Uh, you've got a flyer, and the flyer is just, you also get armor, like the blaster, but only when flying. Which kind of makes sense, because this it's game... that ha- cannonball. Well, was, there's a rule in this game where if you punch someone on a charge, you take some damage, like some system damage for having punched too hard. Well, so, it's, it's that whole equal and opposite reaction of if I punch a wall, then, oh, I'm going to hurt my hand. So what that basically means is that the flyer and speedster subclasses can both punch people at super speed, but if they do, they'll probably just kill themselves. Oh, yeah. So they have to give them armor so that they don't. Yeah, your standard pace of how quick you can go in this is like... Speed plus three. Yeah, you're 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 usually looking at like, oh, I can run around, I'm fast, and I run at like a nine. Yeah, and the that literally... pace for a flyer is you fly at 50. Yeah. So if you were to fly full force into someone and punch them, you would probably just shatter your entire arm. Yeah. Yeah. What that basically means is don't use the two fast classes for the the iconic thing that fast classes are used for. Yeah. Which is super punches. But you do get armor just like a a blaster except only when flying. Mm -hmm. And then you can fly fast. Those are your powers. That's it. You don't have anything else. It does mention that because all of your benefits are only active when you're in the air, a lot of flyers will just never land. And then it has a second paragraph that goes into detail warning you not to do this because it's really obvious and you'll definitely get arrested. Yes. It's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the gadgeteer, which we mentioned the whole you have to continually uh, fiddle with your gadgets. The Gadgeteer is a trash class. I'm just going to say it. It is a fucking trash class, and it, it bothers me because I usually love Gadgeteer-type characters. Well, one, there's no set thing that you can do outside of power armor. They there's- give you the example of a Gadgeteer could make power armor. Okay, what else could a Gadgeteer do? Oh, talk to your GM. Done. That's it. That is garbage. You need to do more, book. There's like 50 pages of fucking story in here about Kennedy and shit, and then the character classes don't fucking do anything. Well, yeah, because the problem is, you've said that the bomb that, like, got rid of all of Chicago and made every alpha disappear was some gadgeteer's thing. Yeah. So that means I could walk up to my GM and go, hey, man, I'm a gadgeteer. My one thing is, I have a bomb that makes all people named Kennedy disappear, and... (laughs) I set it off. Like, well, why are you destroying the 90s MTV VJ industry, John? Uh, because that would be great. If I could get rid of Kennedy and also Kennedy, that would be amazing. 
All right. Uh, so what's up after the friggin' uh, flyer? Uh, we get Goliath, which is oh, that's your, the your basic one. DC metahuman of I'm big and strong and tough, mm-hmm. except being strong and tough is too good. So they also gave you a lot of negative quirks yeah, that you have, you have to, take, to take. You have to take three pointless quirks, as in you don't get points for taking them. Yeah, you automatically have to be big, which means uh, you're, the larger your size quality is, the easier it is to hit you. Uh-huh. Uh, you also have to be slow. Mm-hmm. You reduce your pace. And uh, I think you also have to be ugly. Yeah, you have to be ugly or at least obvious, I think might be Yeah, the, that's the other one. Yeah. Uh, which so your character has to be like a big lumpen bruiser. Like you can't play, for example, a rogue in this game. Uh, a person who is you know hot but strong. Uh, you have to play as like a, a, a Mister Hyde. Yeah, you are definitely that '90s. I'm a big guy. I am big guy. What's your name? Beef Wall. I'm strong guy. You basically have to play as what all those people who argue that Jessica Jones shouldn't be played by Kristen Ritter like envision. Yeah. They're like, ew, no, her arms are too skinny. She can't have super strength. And it's like, no one can have super strength, you fucking dipshit. It's a, it's a, <laughs> uh, it's a special effect in a TV show. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, it's a superpower in the same way that no one can shoot laser beams from their hands. Well, they could if they were Ronda Rousey. That's who should be that. Or Gina Carano. The two people that are the only ones allowed to be recommended. Ugh. The, uh, the next class is the Gunner, which is... I'm a super shoots man. And their power is that they are good with guns. Full stop. Yeah, your your whole power is you add plus five to shooting attacks and plus five to speed rolls for initiative on shooting attacks. Yeah, if you're wondering about some of the other ones, by the way, the bruiser is literally a plus three flat bonus to your strength. Plus five flat bonus to your strength. To strength rolls. Yes. And plus two to your size and an armor of ten slash. Yeah. So That's, they are very good compared to the rest of the very shitty superheroes. But I mean, still, let's talk. That is nothing. That's barely a suit. Like you were saying earlier, that's like DC meta floor. Yeah, that is. The deltas in this are so bad that you're like, you're not even in the joke hero teams. Yeah. Like, like you he, are the background characters in a Grant Morrison X Men run where you're like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's the guy that hangs out with Beak. His power is he can. Make a tree grow twice as fast. Not like you can noticeably see it. It's just instead of twenty years, it'll take ten years to get. Grown. Like the people in the back, the the mutants they made up for the Legion show, like the two carries. They're like two people that share a body. Their power is literally just a hindrance. Yes. Yeah. Just grats, guys. You sure are mutants. The uh, one of the worst ones in addition, because at least the gun haver is like, yeah, you're, but you're really fucking good at shooting. Yeah, and that's that's fine. Good, great. That's a thing you do. You're good at combat. Yeah, sure. In the same thing, there's the Scrapper, who is the same thing, but with melee weapons. Yeah, and they also have a fast healing, but it, their fast healing is pathetic. Imagine if Wolverine's regeneration worked about, oh, a little bit faster than humans, but not really relevant well, to combat speed. It's every hour, because inst- normal healing in this game is once per day. Yeah. You can get a wound back. He, they're like, oh, every hour I can get a wound back. Super impressive. 24 times faster than a human. Useless for combat value. Oh, yeah. That's you the problem. You don't worry about it in combat. Yes, you are a fast healer, but it's just, if I got fucked up, then I can return to play faster, I uh, guess. It's pointless, because unless your friends didn't get fucked up and you did, you're still going to wait the whole couple of days. Yeah. The uh, the weird one for me that I kind of hate It's is probably the, the worst one. For me, is the healer. Yeah, definitely the healer, because the healer's whole power is a plus 10 bonus on medicine or heal rolls 
uh, provided that you or but you can only try once. Yeah, your whole power is your plus ten on medicine rolls when you use your heal power. Yeah, and that that's it. Like you're just more likely to be able to stabilize people, mm-hmm. and if you get a particularly good like extra successes on it. You might be able to be like, oh, I heal like a wound or two from you on the roll. Yeah. But you can only roll once per person when they are wounded. So it's not like the healer can go up and be like, I roll. Okay, you get a wound back. I roll again. You get another wound back, and I just sit there healing you. They're just – the healer class is, I'm a very good doctor. That's all it is. I mean, granted, they have some superpower doctor abilities that normal humans don't have because their tricks are, if I remember correctly, cure disease and cure poison. And their cure disease one, the the difficulty 30 one, is cure AIDS. Yes. But it's per person. You're not developing a cure for AIDS. You're just super curing AIDS. Yeah, you're just going up to someone and laying your hands on them and be like, wah, 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 Except wah, you wah. still have to make the same medicine roll that doctors make. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just dumb. Yeah, the fact that you have to roll medicine mm-hmm. in order to do this is very stupid to me. I'm like, but it. Is it a superpower or isn't it? If it's a superpower, then d- then a disease is a disease. It's not like you're getting into a mental combat magic duel with AIDS. Well, you're just going to someone and healing them. Yeah, and it's not like, oh, if I have a better understanding of, you know, how to heal someone with medicine, that's going to make my weird superpower better. Yeah, it doesn't add up. Yeah, uh, final one we get is the speedster. Plus 100 to pace. Yeah, you run super fast, and you got a plus 5 to any speed rolls for initiative or dodging, which is fine. That's really, really important. That's basically saying a couple of free extra actions. No armor? Uh, no armor. Which means they can't charge. If they charge, they'll kill themselves. Yeah, the the whole thing they're going to do is run super fast at you and hit you with a weapon. Because if they punch you, they will blow their hand up. Yeah, but they will never use the charge ability. They'll just take advantage of their crazy amount of extra actions to beat you to death well after you've done, you're done exchanging blows. Yeah. That's and, all they're for. I mean, their tricks are the only place where you actually get into super speed stuff. Because having plus 100 pace means, oh, I'm, I am fast, but not, not even Quicksilver level flat, fast. Like... Screw the Flash, who would probably be in this universe an alpha speedster. Mm-hmm. Like Quicksilver is sort of the shitty version of a fast guy. Yeah, sure. And even then, you're like, oh, how fast can a speedster in this go? Oh, they're going as fast as uh, like a race car. It says they can outrun a moving car, and while dodging bullets is well beyond them, it's pretty close. That's yeah. that's the actual term they use. Yeah, it's no. like no, that's not exciting to me. No, their whole thing is they're like, you're as fast as a fast car. Slower than a speeding bullet. Yeah, good. My my superpower is to be, I guess, not having to rely on an Uber. Like, that's, <laughs> that's my power. <laughs> it, it's unfortunate, but they also fucking specifically mention in here, oh, by the way, you still have to follow the same rules for running that people do. So as a speedster... While you're going fast, you'll still tire, and you'll have to roll endurance rolls. Yeah, and at the same pace of endurance rolls other people make. So you'll get tired after a couple miles, but, you know, it's just not impressive. No, being a speedster just feels sad in this. And the weird thing is, the tricks you can do, like, one of your tricks is after images. So the whole Flash thing where you, like, move so quick that there are multiple images of the Flash. Yeah, you're not fast enough. Yeah, there's no way you move that fast. Yeah, because... 
you, you know how cars are always leaving after images of themselves because of how fast they're driving? Yeah, on you the know f- how a car goes by and I'm like, woo, baby, it's like there's four cars that are that car. Oh, man, that speed trap is measuring the wrong three cars. He's going to get away. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, at least they could go, oh, you're plus 100 pace at a combat speed, and then you're like crazy good if you're just talking about travel. It's just because that's the way it happens in a lot of superhero games that give you a speedster ability. So here's the weird thing. We're basically done. Pretty much. The the thing that happens in the back, though, is you've got the GM section of let me tell you what's really going on. Man. Yeah, you want to spoil it for everybody? (laughs) Okay, spoiler alert. One of the big reveals that this book gives you, which the book is going to remind you, we won't tell you all our secrets. Please be sure to buy our other books for Brave all of New these World. secrets. All our secrets. Source oh, book. Oh, goodness. They're not going to put them all in one. You're going to have to buy them all. <laughs> one of the secrets is on the DM screen. <laughs> the, the big secret they reveal in this is Kennedy actually died in that attack. The shapeshifter that I mentioned earlier is who Kennedy is because fucking uh, uh, Superior, after the attack, went and took the body of JFK away, uh, hid it somewhere, and then found an alpha-level shapeshifter and was like, hey, buddy, uh, you want to be Kennedy so that the country doesn't freak out? By the way, all of this happened in a split second because, of course, this was all televised. Well, yeah. And so the story that they had was, oh, uh, Superior took Kennedy's body to an alpha healer and Dr. Abramovitz or whatever healed him and... That's that's why no other doctors saw him is because he went to a super doctor. Yeah. Okay. But the actual thing is the shapeshifter who is Kennedy was behind the bomb that went off in Chicago because he's like, you know, I, I kind of like being supreme leader for life and the only person who knows that I'm not and could get rid of me is superior. So I'm going to make a government-funded gadgeteer Make a bomb that gets rid of alphas. Which is rad. It's a cool storyline. The problem is that you can't engage with it as a player in any way. It's just weird fun. It's like Torg-style background detail. Oh, yeah. This book, from everything I can gather, is very deep on the Torg syndrome of, boy, there sure is a lot of cool stuff happening in this world. Look, no, 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 no. Don't you try and play with that. That's not your toy. Yeah. I mean, if we wanted you to be able to play with shapeshifters, we would have put them in the book. You'll note that we only did as this one background character. Yeah. Would that be fun to play a shapeshifter? You can't. Wouldn't it be cool to have the power to always tell when people are lying? You cannot. Yeah. What about being intangible? That sounds rad, right? Too bad you can't do that. You can be good with a gun or good with punching. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's real sad. And especially when... Most of the powers for all of these classes are just, you know, like I said with the blaster, you're just a guy with a gun, but I don't run out of bullets. Yeah, and then there's the tricks, and the tricks are cool, but they're all reliant on you getting extra successes to activate, which means if they're not, they're just passive skill bonuses. If they are, then they require extra successes, and they don't come up very often. Yeah, most of them are extra success stuff, which, man, it's hard enough to get that like actual singular success getting extra ones is difficult yeah and most of them aren't worth it and then there are a few that are crazy worth it yeah and honestly one of the best ones is a generic one that i feel like everyone should have if they want to do combat which is uh i think it's called like bullseye Mm -hmm. but it lets you add or subtract one per six extra success 
to the hit location you rolled. Yeah, you can add or subtract one to the D6 re- roll for what hit location you go for. Now, which basically you, just means you go for headshots. Well, yeah, because a head gives you plus 2D6 damage. Yeah. And the other problem is, if I hit someone in, say, the leg, and I'm like, oh, I hit them in the right leg. Now I shoot them again, and now I hit them in the right arm. The wounds that I did to their leg don't matter. Yeah, they cut his speed by a quarter. Yeah, but now if I can go ahead and say, all right, well, now I'm going to drop it down, hit leg again. Yeah, try and and actually maim them. Yeah, be like, look, I'm just going to blow this dude's leg clean off. So one more thing I wanted to talk about in this book is... uh, in their their desperate attempt to sound edgy, they messed up because they were like trying to do these weird turns of phrases and be like, "Yeah, you didn't think I was going to say that, did you?" A lot of simple like standard similes and metaphors and, and sayings. For example, in the perception section, it says an an unperceptive hero misses every detail. A super perceptive hero can spot a diamond in the rough. <laughs> That's the whole point of diamonds in the rough. They're easy to spot because they're surrounded by fucking rough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, finding a diamond in a rough isn't the same as needle in a haystack, which is what you were trying to use there, book. Instead, diamond in the rough is finding something amazing. That stands in, out. You're like, oh, I went looking through shit and found a rad thing. It's, it's like, not because it was hard. It was surprising that it was there. Yeah, it's like trying. It's like finding a telephone pole in a haystack. <laughs> hey, I found the telephone pole. That's surprising. There shouldn't be one there. Also, it's big and fucking obvious. <laughs> I found the goat in the haystack. And I can't think of any other examples off the top of my head, but it, it definitely happened enough that it bothered me. I kept encountering old, like, like old wives saying type things, you know? And every time they would use them, and they would have their opposite effect because they were trying to make some weird, edgy point. Yeah, anytime your tone in a book is this weird, confrontational, edgy thing, just like Promise Sands had that, mm-hmm. you end up getting to a point where it is so belabored by the end of the book that you are just grasping at new ways to be a dickhole by writing something Uh and you end up having situations like that where you're like oh i i tried to use some turn of phrase that normally means one thing and now i'm gonna try and make it mean a different thing but i fucked up and didn't realize what it meant to begin with oh it's just supposed to come off as mean but it doesn't do it right mostly just comes off me sounding stupid i think one of the ones in, in the book that drove me the most nuts was uh when they were describing how you'll go to prison forever and there's no escape from it, the way that the turn of phrase that they used for it is, you're definitely never getting out of prison. You will not escape. You're not Tim Robbins, and this isn't the Shawshank Redemption, buddy. Yeah. And I was like, man, you just opened a fucking can of worms. <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, Shawshank Redemption happened exists in canon had in exact, Brave New World. There was nothing different about the Shawshank Redemption. Tim Robbins exists in their world 100% for sure. Yep. I just because it, it's in the website part of their book, which means it's supposed to be in universe fiction. Yeah, I they did a thing where they also uh, have in this universe a supers sports league where they play basically like supers version football. And I know that this is a thing that happens like, you know, they did it with juicers and rifts. And a lot of the times in a world where it's, oh, we've got super powered people. All right. Well, what about the deal of. How do you deal with them in professional sports or any professional thing where having a superpower would make you instantly win? Oh, they all are in their own. Okay. Except this is a world where superhero people are all immediately drafted into the army or put into jail. How, how is there a football team that is supers <laughs> when there probably shouldn't be enough supers to make a football team, let alone a league? No, man, it's cor- it's those corp- corporate ones. That's It's fine. Don't worry about it. 
The other one, even I, then, I'm like, you're you're now a football player instead of a corporate guy. So my, yeah, I fully agree. My problem with this book for a lot of the time is I might as well say this is my least favorite thing when we get there. The, the book has all these things that it does to be edgy or or challenging or interesting, but all they do is blow holes in their own in-universe fiction. Like uh, another one that I think is amusing is when you read in the back section about the history of bla- of uh, bargainers. It says the first ever bargainer, Harry Houdini. And it was like, no, that doesn't make sense because the first ever uh, superhero was a superhero as of 1917. Harry Houdini died in 1921. Yeah. Did he figure that shit out after he retired? What are you talking about? <laughs> what, what, what is that? That doesn't do some research. Yeah. And they tie everything bargainer wise into Houdini. Like they went real deep on that. Yeah. It, which doesn't make any sense because Harry Houdini died fairly young uh, and most of his career was in the late 1800s. Right. And the early 1900s, before World War One. Yep, but uh, but no, he was a, he was the first Delta, I guess. Except that no, the Grey Ghost was the first Delta. Yep, Doesn't it's matter. just because they were in love with the idea that Harry Houdini, because all the bargainers wear fucking tuxedos like they're all Zatara. Uh, is that right? Is it Zatara? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the dad. Uh, yeah, it's the dad. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, was because they were like, oh, because Harry Houdini's a tuxedo wearing magician and weird escape artist, and he's. Famous, and it's like and so. Every literally every bargainer that exists decides that's their deal. It shouldn't be that he was the first bargainer. It should just be that he's the inspiration for them. That a lot of them like him because the timeline does not add up. No, it, it's man. Brave New World really wants to be one thing, but it also wants to sort of have its cake and eat it too because it wants to be like, oh, we're edgy and different and. This is a, a gritty, realistic world of superheroes, but also there's the Superhero Sports League, and Houdini was a guy, and we want to have all those goofy, fun things that you would normally throw into a superhero game, but also make it gritty and edgy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm also a little pissed off that the book was like, you're not Tim Robbins, and I'm like, fuck you, book. My character's Tim Robbins. I am now super Tim Robbins. Yeah. And you know what, folks? I guarantee that's going to be the case in this week's bonus content. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, you want to get into favorites and least favorites, John? May as well. John, what's your favorite thing about uh, Brave New World? Uh, I would say my favorite thing is the tricks system. Mm-hmm. It was a good idea. Uh, the whole extra successes turning into things you can do is very good. I like that idea because while, yes, there are a few tricks that are straight up just turn extra successes into more damage and... That's obviously what everyone is going to get. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ones that are things like, there are tricks for uh, mental skills. Like, if I'm trying to do, like, a science role and I have a trick for that, then I can use extra successes to do various other things. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Plus, it adds up to the generally fun thing in superhero stories of power stunts. Yeah, it gives you interesting ways to do things without it just being a baseline power yeah. So I, I really like the idea behind tricks but as there a ne- thing. Basically, there need to be a lot more of them. Yeah. Well, the thing for me is it needs to be something that would come up at least a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Well, be- they're the only method of growth for your superhero's development. Uh, there's no powers you can buy because every hero- superhero only has two powers, basically. Usually things like plus three flat to your strength and ten slash blank armor. Yeah. I mean, you, get, you just get powers for being whatever. Yeah. Like... Whatever your uh, class you pick, you get those powers. There is no other way to expand beyond tricks, and only two tricks exist baseline in the book. Mm-hmm. So 
you're just getting generic powers at that point, and then you're getting the generic ones that are uh, more damage, choose where I hit, and maybe I'll get one of the ones that are for a specific skill yeah. if I have that skill. So they're, I mean, I agree that they're a great idea, that they lean heavily into, thing, into crafting power stunts and so on. The, the game did definitely need a mechanism by which you make new ones. Uh, and well, that that mechanism is mechanism is by our books. Yeah, and by it, my book. <laughs> I don't know why he shot the statue. It just said by my book. <laughs> I okay. Uh, so that's your favorite thing is the the trick system. Yeah, the trick system is very good. All right. Uh, what's your favorite thing? Uh, uh, I, I I think my favorite thing in this is going to be the fact that the skills are fairly well divided between the four core stats. Uh, I I like that because normally strength gets relegated with like swimming, climbing. Go look at the other skills. Skills. What are you doing here? Yeah. So in this one, there's there's they did a pretty good job of dividing them up in ways that that are acceptably justified and and lead towards more balanced character design. Yeah. So there you go. That's my favorite thing, John. What would you say is your least favorite thing about Brave New World? My least favorite thing is the actual exploding sixes system. Yeah. Uh, I. I feel like it's one of those systems where it's just too swingy. You either rolled a six or you failed, essentially, is the problem with this system. And even if I have, you know, 6d6 and now I'm statistically likely to roll a six, I can still roll, get anything but a six and go, oh, good, I had a shitload more dice than your standard human ever would, and I can't do a thing that is mildly challenging it to me it kind of reminds me of the way those high those new slot machines or i guess they've been around since forever work we're like oh i could put 17 quarters into this thing and i'm playing 50 different lines at once oh none of them mattered okay well the i mean at least with that you're like oh you know i'm playing a shitload of odds for these different things and if i had only rolled the one then I wouldn't have gotten anything. But on bar number 27, I get three coins out of my 20 that I put in back. Yeah. But with this one, the odds of success are so swingy. And especially like you mentioned with the bargainers, like, oh, you've got to roll a 30. No, no, that's that's not, it doesn't matter. Even if I have a fucking plus 10 to my roll, getting a 20 is almost impossible. And, and here's the problem. There's no mechanic by which you could like take a 20 or something. You can't be like, I'll spend five days at this. It's like, all right, roll roll your pile of D6s. Oh, well, can I get a bonus or something? There's no rules for that. Yeah, it... Because the other thing is, like, tricks are fun to spend... For kids, mostly. Yeah, mostly tricks are for kids. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a silly rabbit. <laughs> well, then I guess you can't have this game. <laughs> no, but the the whole thing with tricks being like, a, you happen to roll well and you can spend your extra successes on it, is the reason I like it because the system is so swingy that occasionally you'd be like, all right, what's the difficulty? Five. I got a 24 for no good reason. Okay, well, I guess you can can do something with it. You can do four power tricks. I only know two because there's only two that exist. All right, you do those, I guess. Good, great. All right, have fun. But, yeah, the fact that you could be like, here's the thing I need to succeed on. I rolled, like... 12 dice and got one six and then that six rolled a three and i got a nine i can't even do something of mild difficulty but you could roll for something else be like you need a five i kept rolling sixes for some reason i got a 24 what does that do meh (laughs) one thing i did like uh if i'm if i'm speaking friendly to the game is that uh the mechanic for rolling unskilled uh on on a check is actually kind of neat you have to succeed twice inside of the same die roll so, for example, if the difficulty was an 8, you'd have to roll a 6 and a 2 on two different dice in order to succeed if you didn't have the skill. 
And I thought that was fairly clever. But uh, anyway, that's off topic. My least favorite thing. Your uh, least favorite thing. I already said it. Uh, I think I think it was that the book. It was something about the book's stupid tone. I forget now. <laughs> I forget. I don't have any memory. Go back and check. I'm I am liter- like a goldfish. That's so true. It's it's very worrying to me how little <laughs> I, I think at this point I'm spiraling about my memory being bad and then I'm like oh, the only thing I can, rem- I can remember is that my memory is bad. I better start tattooing shit on my skin about people I meet. Oh yeah, you're gonna have your daughter wandering around and be like, oh, who the fuck left this kid here? Oh no, who are you? Someone left a baby. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody. I can still remember Venture Brothers jokes. <laughs> It's Don't okay. worry, that, that'll never leave. <laughs> My memory is all references. Yeah, that's all I have. That's all I've got, children. My poor daughter's so going to be sorry. raised by fucking Max Headroom. Drink Pepsi. She'll be like, can you please connect with me a little bit? No. I'm too busy shellacking my hair. All right, so there you go. There's our best and worst. Sort of. Would you play this game? Uh... I feel like I wouldn't play this game, but I would be interested in dicking around with the system. Now, the people who made this, we didn't mention this, it's the same company that put out, like, Savage Worlds and shit like that. Yeah, it's Pinnacle. So they they went out and actually did something with their lives after Brave New World. <laughs> it's not like most of the shitty games where it's some guy published this under my dude publishing well the other thing is that this book is completely full of suggestions that you go out and buy brave new world products and unlike a lot of games we've read those products exist well yeah i mean not anymore you can't go to their website and buy like brave new world minis anymore did you try to go to deltatimes.com i did not no but i did go to the website that they're like go to our website if you want to purchase thing i was like Oh, they're still using the same website like 20 years later. Good. I, I'm, I also did not try to go to DeltaTimes.com, but what I did do was stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Well, References, John. They're all I have left. That's all I've got. <laughs> Don't take it away from me. <laughs> so, my brain doesn't work. I've read too many role-playing games. It'll happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Um, would you play this game? No. Okay. There are so many good superhero games out there. Yeah, I mean, I understand. If gritty realism superhero games are your jam, that's fine. I don't I don't want to shit all over you. I will, but I don't I don't really want to. I prefer having a superhero game that lets you I don't know, be a superhero. That's what I want. <laughs> when I play superhero games, I want to have crazy outlandish powers. They don't need to be crazy in forms of power in terms of power level. They just need to do interesting things. I want way more freeform control than I'm getting here. Here I'm getting no control at all over what my character powers are. Yeah. It and there's no selection. Yeah. The fact that there's only two tricks and you get three to start, so you may as well have both of them means there's no growth for how cool my power level is. Yeah, it's so, just, it, it's bleh. The other problem is that because the only thing you ever add to your character is extra dice to roll, all you can do is become more accurate. You can never really become more effective. Yeah. I mean, you can, ta- I mean, technically the odds shift in your favor that you'll, you know, if you roll 12d6 at the start, you're more likely to make it to tier three or four of rolling sixes over and over again. But really, you're just broadening your base every time. Yeah. And it's just, it's just not fun. So no, no, I wouldn't play this. There you go. All right, uh, so next thing we're going to have to do here is go make characters. Tim Robbins and something else. Yeah. I guarantee it. Uh, what, Tim Robbins <laughs> and Clancy Brown. <laughs> it's going to be Clancy Brown, a character who in Shawshank Redemption was a Korean War veteran, and it was an important part of his character development. But since in this book the uh, Korean War was dealt with in a day, 
Uh, who knows what his character is going to be like? Maybe he's a nice prison guard. Maybe Shawshank Redemption is a completely different movie. It's a very weird movie. Why would they bring it up and mention it? Why, why would they do that other than because they were trying to sound edgy and badass? It drives me insane, John. I know it does. I know. <sighs> is Rita Hayworth a superhero in this universe? Is that why he has a poster of her? It's not because she's famous? <laughs> who, who knows? All right, moving forward. Uh, we are going to go make bonus content characters. If you would like to hear us do that, all you have to do is support us at our Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery at the $1 level. If you do that, you get access to all of our system mastery bonus content where we make bonus characters every time we make a system mastery. If you want to hear even more fun shows and content, you could just go visit our website, systemmasterypodcast.com, where we have Movie Mastery, uh, Gamma Crawl X still exists on there, though we've stopped making it, and of course we've got our new one, Expounded Universe. Yeah, we've got uh, some bonus content for that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, While you are at the Patreon supporting this, if you like Expounded Universe, we've got bonus content for that at the $2 level, get you weekly bonus content yeah you might as well do that i was coming around to it but definitely the right place to support us at the moment is two dollars or more definitely the right place to support us is just coming over to our house with a truck full of money Mm -hmm. back it up leave it on the doorstep if that's unlikely or just too difficult for you we do have the ray liotta private select level now if Uh, you are ray liotta if you are ray liotta then we invite you to come down to the patreon you'll find a picture of yourself ray liotta along with our i believe it's two thousand dollar per episode pledge for ray liotta's only yes please even if you want to support us at the two thousand dollar level and who doesn't Mm -hmm. do not use that Ray Liotta select. That is for Ray Liotta only. We only want one $2,000 per episode person, and that's Ray Liotta. There are three slots available for $1,000 patrons, which, it's fine, it's good enough. You're no Ray Liotta, but you're still something. Hey, half a Ray Liotta is still better than most people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, if you are a Ray Liotta, or just a rich person in general, come on down to our Patreon. Uh, The minimum $2 floor, though, let's be real. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> SystemMasteryPodcast.com or System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, all the good places. Yeah, all them good places. All the reputable journals of online opinion. Yeah, that's like the Delta Times. That's where, <laughs> which I'm still not sure is a thing or not. No research. I think I may have tried to go to Delta Times and it didn't exist and I was sad. Oh, that's too bad. Just probably go, because I'm not a hacker. If it, Yeah, you have to be a badass hacker to go to Delta I Times. I probably went to DeltaTimes.gov and it didn't work. And you were like, oh no, this is a trap. It was like DeltaTimes.gov. Are you a Delta? Register here. Have you registered? When did you figure out you had powers? Are you and an, then they're like, a government agent will be there shortly. Have you seen any unregistered Deltas? No? All right, well, bye then. <laughs> Goodbye. Here's here's Minesweeper. Good day, sir. <laughs> this site turns into Minesweeper. Dude, I would love that. I fucking rule at Minesweeper. <laughs> I'm terrible at Minesweeper, but that's because I have literally no patience. I There is a point in my life where I played Minesweeper so much, it was one of those games where I close my eyes and see patterns of numbers. <laughs> and I was like, I was... I was at a point where I could clear the giant, like, 99-bomb map in, like, 65 seconds, and there are 99 bombs in there, which I'm clearing out bombs at more than one per second. <laughs> that is uh, that is legitimately very impressive. It was real bad. It was a weird time in my life. I'll say that much. <laughs> Why don't we cut here? Once again, <laughs> find us on Patreon for that bonus content. Until that time, have a good week.